0: Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who might give up his pinky toe for an autograph from LeBron James. Brandon Siegel, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing quite well, and I want to point out, I'd give up both pinky toes for an autograph from LeBron James. Honestly, just to sit down with him, I, I'd be cool with that, just to kind of hang out. Let's go to lunch or something, you know? Where does he, like, blaze pizza? I'll eat there. Is he, <laughs> he invested like Swenson's. in it? Yeah, Oh, he loves Swenson's. We love Swenson's on this podcast. Uh, well, at least two of us do. One of us is a hater. But, I mean, I go to Swenson's, if, you know. Wherever. Honestly, if we can go to we can go anywhere. I don't care. I'll eat food I don't like, you know. If you're hanging out with LeBron James. Uh, another man who I'm sure would love to hang out with LeBron James is, of course, the third member of this podcast, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you today?
2: I'm doing well. I mean, I would love to hang out with LeBron. Honestly, <laughs> hanging out with LeBron and going to Blaze would be pretty solid. I will say I do have one complaint with Blaze, Blaze though, is that I'm usually still hungry. Those pizzas aren't that big, like. I'm usually true. still a little hungry, so maybe I'd sit down and have a little business meeting with LeBron and just pitch a couple ideas to him. But, yeah, no, that'd be awesome to sit down with LeBron. I'd love that.
1: i have to tell him about the Small World Podcast and be like, hey, if you want to be a guest, no one is stopping you, you know? <laughs> you hey, know. Yeah, honestly, it, do you want the podcast? We'll just give it to you. It's your podcast now, you know?
2: <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that he's welcome anytime he wants to come on.
1: 100%. LeBron, if you're listening to this, which I understand there's a like likely chance you are, uh, please come on. You can come on for every single episode if you want. It doesn't matter to me. It's your choice. You come on as much as you'd like. Um, we, we have plenty of time for you to be on this podcast. Trevor, what do you, what do you think?
0: I mean, you said it all. I, I don't have to add anything else, I think. <laughs> so, we have an interesting episode
1: today. We're at episode 101, which obviously last week's episode was episode 100, because this one is 101. We did a ton of fun stuff. We played a really great trivia game. Highly recommend you go check that out. It was a lot of fun. Great episode. Um, But today we're going to start off in college basketball. We had a pretty big college basketball game last Monday night. Uh, Trevor, uh, you know, refresh the
0: audience on what we saw last Monday night. Because
1: it was a pretty big one, wouldn't you say?
0: Absolutely, and it almost feels like it's been a long time since this game happened. It's been a whole week by the time you're listening to it. Obviously more than a week by then. And it wasn't exactly the game we had hoped. We hoped that it would be a thriller, a very close game. Um, but I, I still enjoyed parts of it. I know we were texting during the game, um, and, and I was talking about how I really enjoyed it. And it's really just because um, of the high level of basketball. I mean, both these teams were incredible. I know Gonzaga didn't play, you know, their best basketball in the first half, but it was still some really great basketball from even Gonzaga. I mean, Baylor just, they happened to play their best game all season in the most important game in all the- of the whole season. That was the national championship. I mean, they were just outstanding. They really were on fire for 3 for a lot. They started to cool down later. It ended up being 44%, which is still really good, but they were over 50 uh definitely in the first half and for a lot of that game before they finally started to cool down, uh they hit 16 out of 18 their free throws. Just overall uh playing very well. And also the rebounding battle. I mean, the rebounding battle was staggering. Baylor out rebounding Gonzaga 38 to 22. That was huge. Um, Obviously, early on, we saw Gonzaga was turning the ball over a lot, which was very uncharacteristic of them. Um, We saw Drew Timmy, you know, he turned the ball over a lot. Suggs had a couple turnovers. So it really just wasn't the start Gonzaga wanted. And then from there, in the second half, after they did pull it back to 10, which at halftime, I was kind of like, okay, Baylor's up 47-37. This is, I think, Gonzaga's actually in a pretty decent spot. You know, they were down against BYU just a a few weeks prior in the uh, WCC championship, and they were able to make a comeback. Maybe they can do it again. So I was actually feeling pretty good. And then Baylor just kept pulling it on. I mean, I think one of the first possessions was a Jared Butler three, and then it just kept going. I mean, you had Macy Oteague, who 19 points, um, he was hitting a couple threes. Um, My favorite player, Davion Mitchell, who I absolutely love. I think... You know, just as a potential draft prospect, I really love him as a draft prospect. I think he's got to be top 10 guy, maybe even top five. I don't know. I've become a big fan of Davion Mitchell um, over the past month or two. But yeah, it was just a clinic by Baylor. They played really well both sides of the ball. And when Baylor's playing like that, you know, no one was going to beat them. So it was unfortunate for Gonzaga there that they weren't quite playing their best basketball. And Baylor certainly was. It's just it was one of those nights, you know.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's unfortunate to see as a good, you know, I'm not personally a Gonzaga fan, but for Gonzaga fans, but I, I to me, Trevor, I'm going to go a little bit off course of what you said. This game was kind of boring. Uh, Baylor just kind of blew him out. There was an enormous amount of turnovers. There was like 24 or 23 turnovers. Uh, so uh, not quite as good of a game as I hoped. However, saying that it was still super, super fun to see so many big time NBA prospects on the court all at once. Davion Mitchell, uh, Corey Crispert. A um, lot of great guys out there um, that were really fun to watch. And fun to watch is the last time in, you know, on the... Of course, Jalen Suggs, too. Fun fun to watch is the last time out there as college basketball players. So from that aspect, it was very interesting. It was a it was a, a good game in that sense with a lot of pros out there. But overall, just. I just didn't feel this game. You know, Baylor just took it. And you, you do make a good point. It was Baylor's night. It just, Gonzaga wasn't fully there. What's weird, though, is that, you know, they went, they got on that big lead at the start. But the game never really drifted away from that. You know, I, I felt like the whole time Gonzaga wasn't out of it. But they, like, were so distant where they weren't going to come back. And then, like, towards the way end, like, we got where it got really distant. For, for most of the game, it was like a 8 to 14 point game, I feel like. I didn't feel like it was super far off, you know. Uh, ben, final thoughts on this game before we move on?
2: Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to Baylor. Um, for a game that started at 9.30 p.m., for me to be, uh, turn the game off with 10 minutes left and know the outcome, shout-out Baylor. I'm cool with that. Um, obviously, I wanted Gonzaga to win. I've said many times how. Um, I wanted to see Gonzaga go undefeated this year. I wanted them to go down as one of the greatest ba- college basketball teams of all time, and they're still a great team, um, but they're just not going to be in that conversation with you know, those Indiana teams and those UCLA teams, the top-notch teams mm-hmm. in college basketball history. Uh, and like you said, Brandon, I mean, I think the story, the story shifted from very early on in the game. You know, Baylor comes out to this, or you know, it comes out strong, gets up to this huge lead, and I think the story for pretty much the whole first half was not if Gonzaga is going to come back, it was a matter of I think when they were going to come back, and they cut it to ten at halftime, um, and that's when at least I thought, okay, they cut it ten at halftime. I thought they'd come out and within the first four minutes of the second half they'd be within three four points, and it just never happened. And like you said, Brandon, Baylor was just they were just. Up eight to ten to fifteen points seemingly the whole second half. So the story shifted from is or when's Gonzaga gonna, you know, make this a game to Baylor's just playing like the better team. Um and you know, throughout the season I'd say Gonzaga was probably the better team all year, but for those forty minutes last Monday night, Baylor was the better team and they were the better team by a decent margin and they, they were just dominant. I think I mean if I had to describe that game in one word, it'd be dominant. Baylor was just the more superior team, they were dominant, they just looked like the best team in America. They looked unstoppable. Um, it just mm-hmm. seemed like everything they were throwing up was going in. I couldn't tell you how many times um, I was watching that, and they they throw up a three, and I'm like, there's no way this one's going in, and mm-hmm. it went in. I mean, they shot like 45% from three. So, yeah, I mean, shout-out to Baylor. First national championship in school history for them. Um, the team was amazing. They were great all year. Uh, and I mean, just a just an amazing performance and such an impressive um, game for them and for their program and obviously it's going to be huge for them moving forward in the future with a national championship and such a dominant performance mm-hmm. over a, you know a, a historically great team so again shout out Baylor it was it was not the most entertaining game but it, I will say it was impressive and it was fun to watch from the aspect of Baylor it was just so so good
1: 100% I, I, I 100% agree with you Ben and it, it definitely I think one great thing about this game that we can really take away is we really did have the two best teams in college basketball at oh, the end. It wasn't just yeah. wasn't just a team that got hot at the end. These were the two best teams throughout essentially the whole entire year. And it, it, it was, I wish we got this game in the regular season like we were supposed to. Obviously due to COVID, we weren't able to. Baylor had a little bit of a break. The adversity we went over was really, really great. Trevor, anything else you want to add before we get into a little bit of golf?
0: No, I think that's about it. I mean, uh, also, you know, we could say great for Scott Drew. You know, he's a coach 100%. that I've really uh, grown to like, and it's definitely a great moment for him as well and the Drew family.
1: 100%. So, Ben, you know, I don't often start with you on a subject, but I feel like it's fitting to start with you. We just had a pretty big golf tournament this past weekend. Some would say it's the biggest tournament out there. It's called the Masters. Have you heard of it before?
2: <laughs> I'm I'm familiar with it. I wouldn't say yes. I'm, I'm I'm you know expert on it, but I'd say I'm familiar with it. <laughs>
1: well why don't you go into some of the stuff you saw at the masters um some of the things that you enjoyed about it
2: yeah so i mean just to start off i mean the masters for me every year the masters is like the first tournament of the year where i i'm all in i mean like because you know leading up until april it's winter it's cold out here in ohio like i'm just not in in the zone i'm not thinking about golf usually you know first week of april middle of april when the masters comes on is is in my world my definition the start of golf season, so the Masters is always cool because to me, it's you know the weather's getting warmer, the school year's coming to an end, it's it's golf season. So the Masters is usually the first tournament that I'll try to watch, you know, a, a majority of the tournament. And I mean, it's played on, in my opinion, the most beautiful course in the world. It's just it's just one of the most popular sporting events um, of the year. It doesn't matter if you're a golf fan or not. You're it, usually if you're a sports fan, you're familiar with with the Masters. Um, and it, it was it was a good tournament. Obviously, you know the winner Hideki Matsuyama. Shout out to him. He played well. I mean, he played really, really well. Saturday, there was a rain delay. He came back from the, the hour rain delay, um, and he rattled off a few birdies in the last hole, in the last couple holes. I mean, obviously, he goes into the final day on Sunday with a four-shot lead, and it the storyline going into the last day was very similar to in the fall when they played in November was with Dustin Johnson. Can he hold on to the lead? Dustin Johnson held on to the lead, um, and ultimately Hideki Matsuyama held on to the lead too. Um, it's just, again, it's just such an... It's it doesn't matter because even there was a four shot lead, but even then there's so much intrigue to this to this tournament. Um, shout out to John Rom. He I mean he finished on Sunday. He started Sunday at even par for the tournament. He finished at minus six, tied for fifth. So he shot six under on the final day. I'm guessing that's the best score of the day. Um, and then you know, I got a shout out. I, I don't need I, again. I've heard his name like a thousand times and I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Zalatoris or Will Zalatoris, whatever. He came in second place. Mm-hmm. Never heard of the dude, but shout out to him. The fact that You burst onto the scene during the most popular golf event of the year. I mean, that takes a lot of guts. Shout out to him. Obviously, uh, Trevor, no secret you love Jordan Spieth. He came in third place. If you ask him, he'd say he probably didn't play that well, and I agree he didn't play that well. But he got third place, which is never easy to do at Augusta. So, Um, again, I, I know there's probably people listening to this podcast that aren't huge golf fans, but it's hard to not at least be aware of when the Masters is going on because just in the sporting world in general, it's such a big deal, and it's so fun to watch regardless of if you're a golfer or not just because of you know the scenery. It's beautiful. You have awesome announcers that are usually um, there to call in the game. Jim Nance is awesome. <laughs> so um, it, It's a legendary tournament, and it was, a, it was an awesome four days. I mean, it, it, it'll be very hard to ever find four days where the Masters is bad, and this year was no different. It was, it was a great tournament, and shout-out to Hideki Matsuyama, first Japanese golf, male golfer to ever win a major tournament. Um, I actually heard, and this is the last thing I'll say, because I know I just talk forever, but at the beginning of Sunday the round, they were saying how how much pressure was on him, you know, being from Japan and golf being such a a big sport in Japan. They're saying that if he wins this tournament, which he ultimately did, they said they're estimating that it it could be worth roughly a billion dollars moving forward in marketing um, for the rest of his career. So huge shout out to Hideki Matsuyama. Um, He just cashed in obviously like three mil for winning, but I mean millions and billions of dollars for him moving forward just on marketability because of how popular um, the sport is in, in Japan. So shout out to him.
1: And I, I want to piggyback on you because everything you said was beautiful, Ben. I agree with everything. There's one thing that I thought was so interesting is the picture that came out either today. I, I think it came out. I mean, it had to have come out today where it was uh, Matsuama, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, at the airport. And yes. he's yeah, just kind of hanging out at the airport by himself. like Just like it, it, he wasn't in a private jet, nothing like that. He's just going to the airport. His, his green jacket is just tapered over one of the crappy airline seats that are like in a waiting area. He has his mask on, just hanging out, looking on his phone, just by himself. And it was such a great picture, because he really is just a normal guy who somehow is amazing at golf, you know? (laughs) just this amazing at golf, riding in a a normal plane that we would ride in, which I thought was just an amazing, amazing thing. And of course, everyone's been talking about this, where his caddy bowed at the end, kind of like being thankful to the course, and, uh, you know... It was such as a nice, respectful thing that his caddy did. I, I'm really happy for him. I'm very, very happy. Trevor, any thoughts you want to give towards the Masters?
0: Yeah, I guess just to add to that, you know, I was watching on Saturday. Um and this was before the rain delay so i think justin rose still had the lead it, it, all the you know the amazing run that matsuyama went on after that rain delay i hadn't seen and then i think when the rain delay happened i like got in the shower i i think i i don't know i was doing laundry and then i check the espn app and the round's pretty much over at this point, and I see Matsuyama in the lead, I don't know, if he, I think like 13 under or 11 under, or something like that, and he had like a four-shot lead, and I was like, what What even just happened? So I went back, I watched the highlights, and I saw just some of the amazing shots he had, you know, he's really good, like, uh, like with a lot of his, like, iron shots and mm-hmm. stuff, so... Just watching some of the shots, I mean, it's incredible. Obviously, as a as a beginner golfer, I guess I could call myself watching some of the incredible shots. And I always just marvel when I watch golf, especially like uh, the major tournaments, like the Masters, which I always make sure to watch. I always just marvel at some of these amazing drives, the the iron shots, and, and, and you know, obviously Matsuyama had a lot of them. Uh, Spieth had a couple. I was hoping he can maybe make a run. Didn't really happen. And Zalatoris, obviously. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the only thing was it wasn't quite as close as I had hoped. There was like that one moment, I think on like the 14th hole, I want to say, or 12th hole, something like that, where Shoffley, you know, got it down to a two-shot lead after Matsuyama hit it in the water, and then it like instantly went back because Shoffley hit like a bad shot. But other than that, I really enjoyed it, and a great win for Matsuyama.
1: A hundred percent. Let's move on to our final small talk topic, which is going to be a little NFL draft stuff. We're to start with Justin Fields. In a couple of weeks, we will go way in-depth in depth the NFL draft, um, talk about a lot of different prospects um, and different things with the draft. But let's talk about Justin Fields. Uh, he's having, uh, I think he had a second pro day today, or it's soon. It's uh, maybe this week sometime. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, and obviously, he was this enormous recruit. Number one or two overall, I forget, between him and Trevor Lawrence when he came out. Went to Georgia, transferred to Ohio State, is a really highly tried to prospect for the NFL. um, And seemingly he is slipping. So I have a couple thoughts on this, uh, but Trevor, I'm going to let you talk a little bit before I kind of go on my little spiel.
0: Yeah, so right, we've heard we've all heard about uh you know like Justin Fields potentially slipping, like maybe originally it was just like, oh, well, Lawrence is going to be ahead of him and then Zach Wilson's ahead of him. Now it's like, well, potentially Trey Lance could maybe go ahead of him. Maybe even Mac Jones can go ahead of him, which to me is is just insane. Now with all of this stuff, and I think Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in the draft. I've thought that basically the whole time. I've even considered that maybe he'll even be better than Lawrence. But overall, I think he's the second best. Um, however, the positive for me that I'm taking away from this is there is one mock draft that actually has the Patriots somehow trading up to get Justin Fields. There's a, there's a couple of them, actually. There's one that has trading up getting him at like 9, one that somehow he falls to 11 in the Patriots trade up to get him. So I would love no, nothing more if the Patriots can somehow trade up to get Justin Fields. It would be the ultimate steal, and uh, it would make a lot of other NFL teams look stupid.
1: So a couple of things about this. I don't think Justin Fields is slipping. I think people are being more impressed with other quarterbacks. Zach Wilson had a pretty solid pro day. Uh, Mac Mac Jones, I don't really think, had that great of a pro day, but somehow he's going up. um, And we see Trey Lance, of course, who was a big prospect before all this, um, also kind of rising. Justin Fields, to me, out of everyone, has the highest ceiling. I've talked on this podcast how I absolutely love Justin Fields. And and if I'm drafting a quarterback purely based off of their highest potential, I'm drafting Justin Fields. Not saying that if I had the first pick, I'm taking him over Lawrence. Lawrence is probably the most surefire pick since John Elway. So Lawrence definitely should be the number one pick. But Justin Fields, without a doubt, should be in the discussion. He will have an amazing career. I'm so confident about it. Because he runs just like Lamar Jackson, but he throws the ball just like your your typical quarterback over the past 10 years. He can really, really sling the ball, and on top of that, he can run. He's a complete dual-threat player. And we've seen you know, Lamar, who I still think is a good thrower, but has definitely struggled in the passing game, to Kyler Murray, who's also a good runner and a, a good passer, but Justin Fields is excellent at both of them. He will excel. I'd be more than surprised if he somehow drops out of the top 10. I don't think he will. I think at the lowest, he's going to the Panthers um, or someone like that towards the, the back end of the, the top 10. Uh, but it's crazy to me to see people mock-drafting mock, mock drafting him, I mean, decently lower than I thought. I mean, I thought for sure he'd be a top three or four pick, 100%. Ben, final thoughts before we move out of small talk
2: for today? I love Justin Fields. I mean, it, again, you guys said it perfectly, Brandon. I know you've been on this Justin Fields uh, train for three years now, it seems like. But I agree with you. I love Justin Fields. I, I just think it's crazy— um, some of these mock drafts and how low they have him going. I mean, Trevor, you said Patriots even trading up and get him at 9, let's say. I just think that's insane. And a year ago, I, I just think if you would have told anyone a year ago that he, oh, he, he'll go at 9, like nobody would have believed you. He was a Heisman finalist in 2019. He had an amazing year. And yeah, this past year, he didn't do as well. But one, it was a shorter season. Um two, I mean, COVID, and I hate using that excuse because everybody had to deal with it. But, I mean, you have players that opt out, and your, your season's just weird in general. You have games being canceled. So that does play a part in it. Um, and, again, I, I very rarely will ever come on this podcast or will ever say anything where I'm critical of people that are way smarter than me. And these GMs that are going to be drafting and these experts that work for these teams are getting paid a lot of money to cover this sport 24-7, 365. I watch it from September to February, okay? So uh, clearly I don't know as much about these draft prospects, as people that are working for these teams do. But, I mean, I'm looking at this mock draft on CBS Sports, and, I mean, they literally have Mac Jones going three of the 49ers and Justin Fields going four to the Falcons. Okay? And Justin <laughs> Fields going four to the Falcons. I actually don't – I think it's a good fit, right? I mean, Falcons really are a good, good organization. They like to win – or they know how to win. Justin Fields, I think, would fit in fine there. And, again, I very rarely will I criticize or will I say that, you know, you guys are wrong about this because, again, they know – these people know way more than I do. But I promise you that if – the 49ers dra- draft Mac Jones at three, and then Justin Fields goes forward to the Falcons. I promise you we will look back at this draft, and 49ers fans will be so upset that they took Mac Jones over Justin Fields. I just can't see it. I can't see how you can possibly think that Mac Jones in the long run is a is more of a franchise quarterback, a better fit to be the quarterback of your franchise than Justin Fields is. I get it. Mac Jones had an awesome year. Um, it, I mean, It helped that he had the Heisman Trophy winner, best wide receiver in the country on his team. I get that. And he he had, he had broke all these records. He broke Joe Burrow's record for you know most efficient quarterback in college football history. I get that. But I just can't fathom how, if you're the 49ers, you trade up to this spot at number three. And you're going to... Wait, right, Brandon? They traded up, didn't they? I think they mm-hmm. traded up. Yeah, yeah, again, I'm not an expert. I don't know. But I just can't see how the 49ers can honestly think that they should be taking Mac Jones over Justin Fields. And I get it. And I, I'm I totally understand that certain players... You know, they fit certain situations. You need a certain type of player to fit to fill a void. But Justin Fields, along with Trevor Lawrence, I think are players where if you need a quarterback, you're taking them. I don't care what kind of quarterback they are. They're that good where they can fit into a lot of different systems. So, again, I hate being critical, but it's just – and that's how, like, how crazy it is to me that people think Mac Jones is going to go ahead of Justin Fields. And maybe it will. But, again – i have talked about this for long enough i'm going I'm going on a right here, but it's just it's crazy to me and I completely agree with both of you guys. I just can't see how people are putting these prospects ahead of Justin Fields because, like Brandon said, I mean this dude was legit coming out of high school and he's still legit coming out of college. Not a whole lot has changed except that he's gotten better, and he's continually been you know one of the best quarterbacks in this country these past couple of years so Again, it's crazy to me. Honestly, like it's hard for me to even talk about it because I just can't believe it. I can't believe that this many people think that mm-hmm. Justin Fields is going to slip t- to 10 or 9. It's just crazy. It's just crazy to me.
1: 100% I, I fully agree. Let's exit Small Talk today. Uh, typically, this will be the time we do Small Talk trivia, but we are taking a little bit of a break from Small Talk trivia. We will be back where all three of us will be participating, uh, which will be a very interesting dynamic. I know Ben isn't going to win. I'm going to win. Um <laughs> okay. But uh, let's move on to Randomly Ranked, and today is a great, uh, a great topic that, of course, Ben O'Brien picked out, uh, you know, as always, just killing it with the topics, uh, and today is going to be top three favorite movie franchises, um, and here's the thing, in the past we've done movies, one of the members of this podcast has watched maybe 30 to 40 movies in their entire life, and that would be Trevor Reddick. Trevor, what, what should we expect from you in today's segment?
0: I think you should expect an amazing top three.
1: Okay, I'm definitely not going to do that, but we will get to it. And Trevor, I'm I, I'm actually going to start today because I, I want to hear yours last. I'm most excited to hear yours. I, I, it's, I know it's going to be a little out of the ordinary, so we'll see what what happens with the list. But to start my list off, number three, I'm going to go with the Dark Knight trilogy. And basically, I, I like all the Dark Knight movies. Uh, You know, we got Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, all, all of them the original Dark Knight with Heath Ledger as the Joker, that is arguably the best movie of all time. I mean, it's so good. It carries the whole series for sure. I mean, the rest of the movies are good, but they're not great. Dark Knight, uh, it's so, so fabulous. That's going to be my number three. My number two is the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, just collectively all those movies. I think we have like 25, 26 out at this point. We have all these series on Disney Plus that I'm watching with Aaron Weaver. Big shout out to Aaron. Um, And podcast alum, by the way. So... You know, the MCU's done such an amazing job through so many different movies, bringing in all these amazing characters. It had to be my number two. And number one, and I'm going to be honest, it's not even close. It's really not even close. It's Harry Potter. It's one of the best told stories ever. It was written on the back of toilet paper by J.K. Rowling uh, when she was, I mean, literally had nothing. And she wrote one of the best stories of all time across eight movies, seven books. Uh, there's a whole world, Harry Potter world in Florida. It's wonderful. I highly recommend everyone goes if they're a Harry Potter fan. We got a new Harry Potter video game coming out next year. I'm an enormous Harry Potter fan and I had to put it at number one. Ben, normally I save yours for last but I'm very intrigued by Trevor so I'm going to go to you next. What is your top three favorite movie series?
2: Of course. First I just got to say, I'm not a man of hot takes. I I rarely, and I feel like I don't have a whole lot of hot takes, but my hot I, take I for agree. the day is that Harry Potter is terrible. It's trash. I've seen like two and a half <laughs> movies of it, and it's just not my style. I get it. People like it. Honestly, I don't even really know how, and you can hate me all you want for saying that, but I just think it's terrible. I have no desire to ever watch it. The Quidditch scene in the first movie is the only part that I kind of like. Um, so I'm not even going to do honorable mentions or shout-outs because I just wanted to say that Harry Potter is terrible. I had to throw that in there for you, Brandon, since you had to put it at number one. Um, so I'll go straight to my take. number three. I I, I agree. I, I know it's a terrible take, but I just had to say it. I just had it's to. It's such it. a bad take. Um. So I'll just go into my number three. I had to put Star Wars on there. Somebody had to put Star Wars on there. Um. Just what George Lucas did, and for just the the entertainment industry as a whole. Um. You just you can't say enough for it, for how much Star Wars completely changed uh, the movie industry. So you had to throw Star Wars in there. Just I mean, awesome movie franchise. Number two, a year ago I would have been so upset of. You know, for me, for doing this, but I have to put Marvel at number two ahead of Star Wars. I would have never done that, you know, a year ago before I watched all the Marvel movies. But like you said, Brandon, they've just done a, such a great job with this universe, and they're continually expanding it. And I mean, you can go on forever so with these characters. You can. They're yeah. always going to be, um, you know, adding 100%. new storylines, and they've just done. A, they they did such a good job building an infrastructure where they can build on for seemingly forever. Um, and it's going to. They're going to make money for as long as they keep making them. Um, so shout out to the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, just an awesome, awesome storylines, awesome directors, awesome writing. They they do everything the right way. Uh, number one, I had to I had to put Fast and Furious on. We've talked about Fast and Furious plenty of times on this podcast. You have to put Fast and Furious in number one. Um, it's it's got everything that you know a guy could want, right? It's got fast cars, it's got action, it's got great storylines. I mean, yeah, come on, it's a no brainer, right, Brandon? Like you got to put Fast and Furious at number one. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's eight movies strong. The ninth one's coming out this year. So, I mean, just, I, I love it. I love the franchise. I, I, I will always go and see Fast and Furious movies as long as they continue to come out.
1: So far, out of the, like, two Fast and Furious movies I've seen, I, I've liked them all. Top three, probably not. But I do like them a lot. So I, I don't hate the take. I don't hate it all. The Harry Potter take was atrocious, but the, the Fast and Furious take is not. Trevor, what are your top three favorite movies, series?
0: All right. So, Ben, I appreciate the take. Um, I'll, I'll probably add on it. that here pretty soon. Uh, but I'll it. start off with my number three, and that is the Shrek franchise. Oh, my uh, God. Good one. Growing up, I loved the Shrek movies. I mean, just watching, like, some of those scenes where they're crossing the bridge in the first one and, you know, with with the dragon. And just there's so many great Shrek, two when they, like, come into the – when Shrek, for the first time, he's coming into the village and you know just like so many great scenes so the shrek franchise that's my number three had to add it in there number two i'm going with uh the rocky franchise you know um you could add whether you consider the creeds in that or not i do personally because the creed movies are amazing so you have the six the rocky movies you have the creed movies it's incredible and i know you guys i don't think either of you have watched uh the rocky movies and i highly recommend that you do because they're incredible. And number one, of course, um, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know what I'm going to say. That's the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, Probably the best cast in any movie franchise ever. Uh, It's incredible. Very diverse. So many great personalities. Obviously, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel. You have, uh, you know, just, you know, so many great, obviously, Gal Gadot, Um, you know, it's just, it's so good, and obviously now we're going on 9, it's coming out here this summer, the second trailer is actually supposed to come out tomorrow, so I'm very excited for that, we're getting Justin Lin back, who is my favorite director, that's directed the Fast and the Furious uh, movies, he was out for, he didn't didn't direct uh, 8, obviously, which 8 was the worst of the franchise, I, I would say, so good to have justin lynn back and uh yeah th- this one was always gonna be number one for me and i'm hoping that uh fast nine is awesome trevor you know a lot of weird
1: takes there for sure but the one big thing i have an issue with is you you consider fast furious has the best cast i just want you to know avengers endgame does exist that does exist
0: yeah, Avengers Endgame could be like number three or number four, number ben,
1: five.
2: Ben, oh my, back one. me up, Ben. I will say, Trevor, I, 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 I agree with everything you said. I, I do. But when you said the best, best cast, cast ever, in my it head, is. I kind of just went it's the best cast. Like that's just kind of an oof moment. Like nah. it's a great cast, but I, I don't, it's I can't support, I can't support that comment that you said with that yeah, it's a Trevor, bad the best one. Cast.
1: I want, I want I want everyone to tweet at us at the small bar, link is in the description if that was a an absurdly hot take. In fact that that might be so hot the sun, you know, said, nah, it's too hot for me. You
0: know? I mean you had you you need to finish you haven't even finished the franchise. You've only watched what one and a half or two?
1: I so... Avengers Endgame exists. Uh, Avengers Endgame exists. Uh, I mean eh, uh, yeah, come on. Matter. We got like forty of the best superheroes of all time all on the same screen fighting at once. I mean Hey, that might just be me, but let's move to our final topic of the day, which will be the main topic of today's episode. Um, not an enormous one happening in the last week, so what we do want to talk about is some NBA injuries. There's been a lot of big injuries this year. Uh, Trevor, I know we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive here, so I'm just going to pass it off to you um, and for us to talk about the, the major injuries we've seen this year.
0: Yeah, so unfortunately, injuries have been a major theme of this season. It's kind of derailed the season, at least to a degree now. And it, 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 although it does make sense, you know, because we did have the shorter offseason, you know, a lot of these players weren't able to, I'm, I'm sure they worked, I mean, obviously they worked out, but it wasn't the same type of workouts that they probably were going to get in, not um, the the high level of quality, probably not in quite as great of shape as maybe they would normally come into a season, so I think that adds to it, um, you know, we've kind of had to push some of these games together uh, more, obviously. Yes, it is a shorter schedule, but it's still like it's December to July. It's at least like, you know, a, a month, I think. I mean, it's still about a month and a half cutoff. So even though it's 10 games, it's a little... I, I would say there's probably more back-to-back. So it's definitely hurt. Obviously, we've had LeBron, who's been out. He's still out. Anthony Davis, who has been out for a little while now. Kevin Durant was out for a lot of the first part of the season. He just... Returned a week or two ago. We have Embiid, who was the front runner for the MVP. He went out. So many superstars in this league going down. Um, obviously, Clay Thompson's been out for the entire year, and I and I could just keep going on. Obviously, it's unfortunate. Um, but we have to look at that, and you know, it will be interesting because it's gonna be fun to see how this affects um, the playoffs because there's gonna be a lot of unknowns. And we don't know exactly when LeBron AD will come back. It's rumored that I think AD, they're saying about two weeks. So, okay, if he's coming back two weeks, uh, the playoffs start in mid-May. So, he'll have, like, I don't know, maybe 10 to 12 games to actually play. Maybe even less. LeBron, probably even less than that. He's supposed to come back a little after AD. So, if they have maybe 8 to 10 games, if that, to play together, that's at least going to weaken their chances a little bit. And also, you have to add in the fact that currently they're the five seed, and actually the Dallas Mavericks, who are the seven seed, are only three and a half games back. So there's actually a, a little bit of a chance here that the Lakers could fall all the way back to the seven seed, which would really um, make it tough. Then they'd have to go into the playing game, and even when they get out, they'd have to face one of these top seeds, the Jazz, the Suns, or the Clippers, in the first round, which would be very tough. You have the Nets, who they have it, you know, They haven't had a lot of time where KD, Harden, and Kyrie are all playing together, right? So it's like the Nets and the Lakers, um, for most people, those are the two favorites, right? It's like either you think the Lakers are going to win or you think the Nets are going to win. And then, then maybe occasionally you have like a Sixers, a Jazz, but mostly it's the Nets and the Lakers. However, with the injuries, I think it's made it a little bit more wide open as far as just like, Uncertainty because we don't know how the Nets will truly gel right. once they all come back. So, um, so I think that part of it's interesting. Mr. Trevor, I, I have a quick question about that. Do, uh, <clears throat> do you think it's going to come down
1: between the Nets and the Lakers? Because both teams seem to have an enormous amount of firepower. And uh, let us let me ask this question first. If those two teams played fully healthy, who wins? Just sim- simple answer. Don't go too much because I have a follow-up question.
0: Uh, the Lakers, in my opinion. So, they're fully healthy. My
1: follow-up question is, do you think injuries are going to have... A, a hand in who wins these finals between those two teams, because it seems like it's pretty likely one of those teams is gonna win.
0: Yeah, I think it's likely that it will. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of years in the past where it's already affected it. Like in 2019, obviously Kevin Durant was out, that led to the Raptors winning. If he didn't go down, the Warriors were were three peating. They were gonna win that year. So now with injuries, even having a a more of an impact. I think it's likely that we're going to see one of these superstars. Maybe it's, uh, I, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say hypotheticals, but it's pretty likely, unfortunately, that we're going to see one of these big players go down in the playoffs. I think it's probably likely to happen because we've seen it a lot in past years, too. So, you know, all the more reason that it'll happen this year, unfortunately. So, Ben, I'm going to pass this over to you, and uh, here's the question I have for you.
1: Why do you believe that we've had all these huge injuries uh, it's been quite abnormal this
2: year so first i want to just give a disclaimer i'm not a doctor okay i'm not a doctor i'm just you know no, what no do medical I know? professionals
0: on the podcast no no today. no i don't
2: want anybody to get it confused here i'm not a medical professional i went to school for four and a half years i would need to go to school for like 10 more years to you know, have have an honest opinion um that people should listen to but i i have a platform so i'll give you my thoughts i think the biggest reason and we've seen a lot of injuries in the nba but we've also seen a lot in every other sport we saw a bunch in the nfl yeah. and we've already seen a bunch of early ones in baseball this year okay so obviously there's a lot of injuries in the nba but that's not abnormal compared to the other sports that we've seen since the return of sports you know last spring or last summer or whenever i think a big reason is that what 13 months ago all of our lives everyone's live pretty much on this planet got completely derailed, okay? And athletes, more than anyone, maybe not more than anyone, but just as much as anyone else, they rely so much on a routine, right? Their nutrition is so much a routine. Their workouts, their diets, everything they do is so much of a routine. And I still think it's been a year of this, and I still think that athletes' bodies are trying to adjust to the change in routine that they've had to go through over the last year. I mean, if you think about NBA specifically, what, they stopped Mm -hmm. in March – they didn't continue until end of July, so they went on this massive hiatus. Their bodies, it's almost like a state of shock. Their bodies don't know what's going on. For somebody like LeBron, who's been playing basketball his whole life, you know, he's been in the NBA for what 18 years. It's been the same routine. You play from what you know, training camp starts in September. You play till May, June, depending on how far you go, um, and then you're on a break. And all of a sudden, he's playing into October, and then you get a really short mm-hmm. off season. Okay, so, I mean, it, I just think their people's bodies, these athletes, their bodies are just, they're trying to adjust, and people are trying to change the way they're, they're working themselves out, change their nutrition, because these seasons are, are, are not normal, right? I mean, the NBA season is going to go until the end of July this year. That's not normal. It never goes that late. It started in December. That's not normal. So the NBA specifically, since we're talking about, but you see this across all sports, that people are just having to adjust, both in the real world and um, in the athletic world, and I think their bodies are, are having a hard time doing that because there's so many changes and athletes rely on routine. Everything they do is such a routine that, you know, they're very superstitious. They they have the same, you know, most games are at the same time. Usually you play at night if you're an athlete. Uh, so things are just different this year. And again, it, it, it's easy to blame COVID for everything. But I do think that COVID is probably one of the biggest reasons why you're seeing all these injuries because p- athletes' routines are so different this year. Maybe that's because of you can't do certain things because of COVID, and just because times are different. So, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But that's just the thought I have is that there's so much of it is a routine and so much of your body depends on, mm-hmm. you know, certain nutrition and certain workouts at certain times. And it, you just can't do what you used to be able to do in, at this point uh, in the world. So and I, I do think that has a big aspect on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I was gonna—I was just going to add to that and sleep too because I've heard like on different podcasts, athletes have talked about like JJ Rex, CJ McCollum. They both mentioned how there have been times where like you have to wake up and, and go get a COVID test at like six in the morning, oh, yeah, whereas you might get home the night before from a game you might not get into your whatever hotel or whatever at midnight and you're not falling asleep at midnight. You're probably not falling asleep till two. So then it's like, you only have four hours of sleep. You wake up, you got to get, you got to go get a COVID test. So like sleep is also a, a huge factor, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I, what I was going to say is, you know, the, the, like you said, Ben, this lesson to off season, I mean, players, there's so many players that spend millions upon millions of dollars on their bodies. I know LeBron, we've is the really well-known one who spends more than a million dollars a year on nutrition and workouts and stuff like that. You can't do that with that shortened off-season, And I think this spans across all players. We, we've definitely seen big issues with a lot of these players where they, this time off wasn't gotten, so now that they don't have that time off in between seasons, there, there's just destiny more injuries. Trevor, anything else you'd like to add um, to the injury topic? Um, or frankly, anything about the NBA?
0: Yeah, we went really deep in the injury topic, which is a little uh, pessimistic. I, I've just been like, man, we've been a little pessimistic. Um, I'm just going to touch on a few different things that have been happening that have been pretty interesting. Obviously, we have this play-in tournament that's coming up in mid-May, so 10 teams actually have a shot. And I think both conferences, particularly the East, actually looks pretty interesting because you have like the Atlanta Hawks, the Miami Heat, the Hornets, the Celtics, and the Knicks, all between four and eight seeds, who are all within uh, like about two games. And then you have the Pacers, only a game behind the Knicks. So I think that race there in the Eastern Conference especially, the West has a little bit of one too, not quite as much, but that East race for like who's going to get the the sixth seed. Because I think a lot of these teams like the Knicks, the Celtics, the Hornets, they all want to be the sixth seed. You don't want to you know, put yourself at risk by going into that playing tournament if you're a seven seed, where it only takes you know if you lose two games, you're out for good. So definitely, there's going to be a little bit of a race here to end the season. The last month, only about 20 games left, uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. Um, and then also, you know, you have other teams that are playing really well, like Denver Nuggets. Uh, they're they're playing really well. They're on a hot streak with Aaron Gordon, who they acquired in trade. They've been doing really well outside of their uh, lost to the Celtics, where they blew a big lead. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun teams, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the playoff race shakes out here in the last month or so before we get into the postseason. Yeah, 100%.
1: Well, I think we'll end the episode there for today. Uh, appreciate all of you guys listening all the support that everyone gives us. Of course, follow us on Twitter so you know when all of our podcasts go live. Um, at the small baller or the link is in the description leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast episode and of course subscribe we really really appreciate everything you guys do including the subscribing the following twitter all of that but With that being said thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time
0: go falcons